Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. Hey, everybody. It's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian. And we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. What is the future of Ska? As Eichler's demonstrated last week, Ska fuses surprisingly well with the weirdo hyper-pop production style. There's another curious subgenre now called laptop ska, which is essentially crafting grandiose but compressed ska tunes on your computer, bomb the music industry style. Not to be too simplistic about it, two artists making headway in this subgenre are Tape Girl and Kamoy, who have separate projects but also play on each other's songs. And because they constantly hang out and collaborate, we thought we'd bring them on at the same time and talk about what unique things they're doing in the genre. Really, we just wanted to hang out with them for an hour and a half, which was delightful. So we had both Camo and Tape Girl on at the same time. Yeah. And because it almost feels like they kind of share a brain. Yeah, definitely. It really feels like talking to two versions of the same person in a way. Mm-hmm. Or, or like, I don't know, kind of like in a, oh, what's that Pixar movie? The one with all the emotions? Yeah, Inside Out inside out thank you it's it's like they're two different people inside that same head pushing the buttons and pulling the levers yeah it was it was a delight to uh jump into their world oftentimes i feel like we bring people into our world on this show yeah i feel like we were brought into their world oh definitely and it made me a little jealous because the idea that that's what they do night after night very appealing yeah i wouldn't mind doing that yeah, and they, they don't even live in the same state. They're just hanging out all the time. I mean, I guess you and I don't live in the same city, and we hang out. And we do this. Maybe we just need to do this more. Yeah, we don't need to always be recording a podcast to be hanging out <laughs> in a videoless audio void of uh, conversation. Join us in the video in the videoless <laughs> audio void, please. First, I want to find out, do we have... Um, is it is it Kamoy with a Y or Kamoy with an I with us tonight? Um, it's Kamoy with an I. I could explain that even further, but I feel like you want to do a longer intro thing, and so I'll just cut it there. That's it. That's all we're getting. No, give us the whole thing. We want the whole thing. Okay, fine. What doesn't bother me is that people spell my name wrong. What bothers me is that uh, the K keeps being the object of accentuation but that's not how it should be the accent falls on the set on the second syllable it's k moy because my name is kenny malloy so it's like you're saying my full name k moy you know now tell the dear listeners what you got that from oh my my friend uh, david in real life he like 
He's been my friend since uh, 2003 when we were 13 years old, and he gives nicknames to a lot of his friends. Like, uh, you know, he's got a friend named Jesse Lamort. He calls him Jay Mort. And like, he just shortens all his friends' names to two syllables. So I've been K Moy to him for over 10 years. And yeah, that's where I got the name from. Interesting. All right. Shout out to David. <laughs> yeah. Beth, is it, uh, is it tape girl two words? all cap or caps or is it tape girl one world one word no caps kenny and i had a discussion about this um at the moment it's tape girl two words and i think i like joked about it on twitter like ooh, what if i was like all lo-fi and had it all lowercase all one word and it would look like super aesthetic but mm -hmm. it's it's the the pronunciation if like no matter what it says you would read it like tape girl and not top e girl, you know, <laughs> if it was like one word, which could happen. That's mm -hmm. a command. Tap e girl. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that was your 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 like selling point as to why I shouldn't have it like that. Well, yeah, I mean, I had I had several issues, and none of them were really based in reason. I just got used to your name, and I didn't want it to change. What if we just lobbied right now to make both of them look like acronyms and put periods between every letter <laughs> i mean that's fun you know people can make their pitches what does k-moy stand for i'll never tell you because it doesn't stand for anything but you can make something up kenny makes ominous yo 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 yarn uh <laughs> makes you okay yeah why is the hard one what are you gonna do with why yellow yelling that's better actually that's pretty good i've done some ominous yelling yippee kaye <laughs> that one not so much <laughs> what is the origin of tape girl name the name oh my goodness yeah. i don't think i even have an answer like i i kind of have like i came up with tape because like when i first started when i was like conceptualizing this music project i was like i didn't really know how to like i guess produce would be the proper word i don't like using that because it sounds too, too fancy but like I wanted like my stuff to sound like all lo-fi and like very DIY. And I still kind of stick to that, even though I, so, I, I pretend I know what I'm doing now. But I like the, the <laughs> idea that like, yeah, this music you heard right here, it was recorded to, to real tape. And it is um, classified information what tape it is recorded to or what type of tape I am as a girl. Yeah. What she's made out of. Yeah, maybe it's cassette tape, maybe it's scotch tape, maybe it's like uh, fishing tape. That's classified. But yeah, so tape came from like wanting to have like a sort of like, it's like, yeah, it's lo-fi. And girl was like, you know, I'm like trans. So it's like, yeah, I'm a girl. And it's like kind of like a, a front so that I wouldn't get like misgendered, kind of. And it's kind of, I kind of like the name and I... I think there was this other music project called Slime Girls, and yeah, yeah. I think I think that maybe not at the time, but I think thinking back, that kind of inspired Tape Girl, the name. But yeah, I, I think I'll leave it at that. Ta uh, slime Girls, actually, we played uh, our, our our old band or our band Narbus. We played one of our early shows with them, and they actually were a a ska band. Aaron, let me correct you really quickly. Um, we played Slime Girl's first show and we played their second show. 
That is really cool. How many people? Um, I think it's just a project by this one person, uh, Pedro Silvia. Uh, pa- Pedro Silvia. Yes, and there's some like stuff about him. Yep. Don't look up to them, but that first album or the the first EP they put out and the I do like the other singles and like that's some good stuff and they they make some cute music. But Adam, do you remember um those shows? They were like a full-on band. Though. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. How many people were in Slime Girls those first shows? It was a three-piece band. It was guitar, bass, drums. Well, I guess four-piece if you count the Game Boy or whatever was making Oh, the background stuff. No way. Yeah, it was it was a straight up it was rad live cuz it was like super loud and no vote i don't think there was vocals really except for maybe on a cover right and then, and then it was just like it sounded like that first uh like that first ep except for just really loud i'm a little jealous that sounds amazing <laughs> it was sick I'm not gonna lie i i really like the name tape girl because for somebody of my generation it elicits the idea of recording to like a four track which basically mm-hmm. laptops have become four tracks at this point Pretty much. Yeah, except for you're a little bit less limited and you're not having to fight against the... I mean, I know, I think I've heard you actually say you'll actually introduce tape sound back into a recording. Yes, me and Kenny both do that, I'm sure. Do we want to get into that now? Let's get into it. Let's go. Do it. Okay, so when you make music on your computer, on your your DAW... Um, there's these things called VSTs, plugins, and they're these little like audio programs you can put your music through and they do stuff to them. So, and it basically works as like, like a hardware type thing, like, you know, like a compressor or like an EQ, but it's like just a little program on your, your little computer. And, um, I have this one, this is like the main one that me and Kenny really use. It's called the J37 waves cassette uh sorry just uh the j37 waves cassette uh, not cassette just tape machine (laughs) and basically it like simulates putting your audio through a j37 cassette tape not cassette it's like the third time (laughs) oh my goodness but we'll get to that we'll get to that um and it's like based off of like a tape machine from the abbey roads beatles studio so that's like kind of cool like it's the same sort of vintage feel and me and kenny both like saturate a lot of like everything we record because we like i i for the most part record my guitars straight into my computer like plug it in and then i have another plug-in vst that is a uh amp simulator and it just makes an amp but it's like a pretty clean tone and like when you're recording on like computers and stuff like nowadays you can get some pretty clean stuff so i just run my stuff through a tape machine to just kind of get it a little dirty and like back in the day that's it wasn't super like aggressively clean like it is now when you're recording to a computer so that's my way to like give everything some texture even if it like probably doesn't sound perfect the reason why I do all that stuff with those tape plugins is is entirely because of Tape Girl. You know, like um, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to figure out why it ever happened. Okay, here's why it happened. So once upon a time, I did this uh, acapella arrangement of a song from Adventure Time called <gasps> "Everything Stays," 
And, you know, I, 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 you know, I showed it to Beth one day and she was like, oh, yay, can I mix this? Right. And I was like, fucking fine. Okay, whatever. And this was like in 2020, late 2020. And I was like, okay, take it. Just take it. And then she comes back to me in less than one day. It gives me like the mix from the stems that I sent her. And it was much better than the mix that I made. And I, you know, I spent like fucking five days or whatever trying to get that shit good. And I was like, how the fuck you do that shit? Why does it sound so good? Also, take the bug noises out of there. But how the yes. fuck, how'd you make it sound so good? And she was like, oh, you know, I, I did some tape saturation. You know, I did some, I'm like, what? Hold on. <laughs> huh? And so I had to find out about that stuff um, through her. And, uh, you know, over the course of making the Precure album, I would send her certain things just to be like, okay, these saxophones, uh, give them a lot of tape saturation, really fuck them up. Uh, these vocals, give them some subtle tape. And then after a while, I was like, I'll just buy the fucking thing myself. It was on sale on the Waves website, so I just bought it. It was really cheap. And, uh, yeah, then I started using it myself on the Precure album by myself. Yeah. Interesting. It's always on sale if anyone wants to buy it. It's like <laughs> that, that's like how they get you. It's like originally it's four hundred dollars or something. Well, not probably not that, but they they market it as expensive, but they're like, with this sale that's the the April second week of April sale, it's thirty dollars. So it, it's super cheap. That's some good marketing right there. J thirty seven, that's the name of the plugin. J thirty seven. And for for future reference, I uh, when I'm mastering, I use the Kramer tape. And then if I want like a lo-fi, like an actual like shitty tape sound, I use this other one called Sketch Cassette. Kenny got it, and you can hear it on um, Old Timey Ophiona. Yeah. Off uh, Happy Birthday, that little little EP. You want to take over? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, I made some little things for her birthday. She turned 20, like, at the beginning of this year. What a shame. Her birthday's on January 1st. And, like, so I just made some fucking things. And one of the things was a barbershop quartet uh, arrangement of a song from fucking Adventure Time. And, you know, to make this shit sound old-timey, like I ripped it off of a phonograph, I, you know, put it through this sketch cassette thing. Context? He already, like, composed it already? Or... You you've already didn't you like have like a rough demo and like this was like a like just a barbershop quartet you're working on and you showed me it and I was like I love this is like the best thing ever and that's like Ophiona is probably like one of my favorite Adventure Time songs that and like probably just any of the ones Rebecca Sugar wrote I don't even know if she wrote Ophiona but it sounds like she probably would have so oh she did she did it's okay. definitely her whatever it was a fucking thing I, I wrote that shit back in like 2019 on a rooftop. And then I came back to it later and I was like, oh, some of this is a bit fucked up. And then I fixed some of it. And then I record the thing and I showed it to Beth, like right after the Precure album, I started making the thing. And mm -hmm. then she listened to it and she's like, oh, this is so great. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'll eventually edit it down and try to, you know, select all the takes that are in tune. And then I listened to it. And I'm like, man, this thing sucks. I made yeah. this part too slow. Um, this harmony is too complex. Th these uh, voices are too far away. It feels like I'm focusing too much on being showy and smart and I'm not uh, focusing enough on communicating the actual emotion of the song. So I had to make some edits to it to make it better and i did all that in secret uh for beth's birthday yeah kenny why were you on the roof 
Um, let's see. I was on the roof. This was 2019, and uh, this was back when I lived in South Williamsburg, and I used to go up on the roof to try to focus because focusing was really, really hard for me. And uh, I think I was probably on a combination of two different drugs at the time when I was writing uh, some of that ludicrousy. And that's why I felt a lot of it was unusable and I needed to redo it. But the ending uh, was really good. I still had to touch that up, too, in a sober state. But yeah. Um, yeah. For context, the ending is like in the minor. And it sounds yeah, yeah. super cool. It's very non-traditionally barbershop. At the end, I get uh, Baroque with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Super fancy. Jesus, we've really gone on a fucking tangent, you know? Like, these nah. people, they had a whole plot they wanted to do. No, this is perfect. Th- this is what they signed up for. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> laptop ska. <laughs> <laughs> laptop ska. Tell us about, this This is your invention, right? That The term? Technically, no. So, oh. I have this sort of, I don't know, this online friend. I don't know if I met her before. The Tape Girl Project, or I think, hmm, I don't know if I met her before or after really being Tape Girl, but I remember on this website called Rate Your Music, which I'm on right now, um, Tape Girl, um, she put this like little list together and this music, this, I'm sorry, this website is called Rate Your Music and it's like a music rating website. You can go and find your favorite albums or songs and give them like three, five stars, whatever. And she put me on um, a playlist called, or not a playlist, a list called, where is it? Jeez. Something, actually good scar something. And she um, <laughs> had a, cr- <laughs> so I'm glad, or, or something about like newer scar, newer good scar something. And in the like write up of my song, she put like a descriptor as laptop Scott. And she also put the first three like bomb the music industry albums as laptop Scott too. And I was like, that's mm-hmm. the cutest name ever. I'm just going to roll with it. And Clara uh, Zanio. How do you pronounce that? Kenny? <laughs> I remember on an IG thing, you called her Clara and she said that is the correct pronunciation. I don't care yeah. how we pronounce Zino. Don't care about it. Clara though. <laughs> Her username, yeah, Clara. She came up with it. Uh, I just, I just took it and ran. Who else was on this list of actually good ska? Oh, I'm actually. I, it's probably not called that. Um, I'm trying to find <laughs> it. I don't know. Uh, Kenny, take over for me while I find it. Okay. Okay. Jeez, I don't freaking. Oh, damn. Give us a tangent. Okay. Well, let's talk about you know this whole laptop ska thing because um this actually happened around F. This is a topic that you want to get and get to eventually, but this uh, rate your music post was made sometime after the, um, oh, what's the name of that freaking song? No thoughts had empty. Sometime after that single came out, not too long after it, and okay. so, you know, whoever this uh, person was, whether Beth knew her in a former life or she was just you know <laughs> somebody else, she was clearly paying attention to what was coming out in Scott. And yeah. I think it's uh, interesting to note that if she did make a, um, a, a list with a title as grumpy as... Yes, it's called Actually Good Ska. Yeah. And wow. let me read the description. It says, Ska is fantastic, but there's a lot... <laughs> but there's a lot of it in many different waves and subgenres. And like anything, a lot of it isn't good. So as I listen to all of it, I'll categorize what's worth checking out. And then it's as big, it's like, 
the first entry is like um it's the dragon the dragonaires come fly with lee 1962 it's just tagged jamaican ska but let me uh pop to page four which i believe i'm at yep because here's bomb here's uh bruce lee oh no i'm on page five the hell is it hmm psych uh (laughs) cool chris cut this out or don't maybe oh yeah everyone can you say hi to cool chris because he's probably gonna edit this uh yeah hi hi cool chris (laughs) hi cool chris (laughs) i'll let you know if i say something that needs to be taken out i'll let you know yeah it's chris's call we we're not allowed to say what he's really to to edit or not no i'm kidding (laughs) we usually only have him edit for clarity so this might all end up (laughs) He's like, damn it, Beth. Okay, so this one is Bomb the Music Industry, album minus band. It just says Laptop Ska on it. Um, to Leave or Die in Long Island, Laptop Ska. Where the hell is it? I think she took me off the list or something. Oh, no. Ooh. That shit did not happen. Or or at least no thoughts. At least no thoughts, because it's just like a single. But the 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 silly ass uh, live on... Oh, the live on Megawave singles collection. Okay. Three stars. <laughs> <laughs> anyways yes um okay it just says laptop this whole star. thing has actually got me feeling a little <laughs> fucked up and now i'm going to go through our own history on the discord just to find out the answer to this while i waste aaron and adam's time this is what we wanted this is what we signed up for this is like an average <laughs> evening for me and penny okay i actually found a screenshot i found a screenshot from uh, what what I can't read numbers, but it's 11-30-2020, so that shit is fucking November, right? This is a screenshot, <laughs> rate your music, and it says, um, Laptop Ska, this is from Clara's post, uh, subcategorization of post-ska. Emphasis is shifted from the horn section to laptop synths, and post-hardcore breakdowns are added. Pioneered and mostly utilized by Bomb the Music Industry. It might seem odd to have a category which is filled entirely by Bomb Records, but it's such a distinct sound that I don't care how rare it is. Shout out to my boy, uh, J-Row, Jeff Rosenstock. <laughs> <J-Row. laughs> it, is, it, is, it is rare no longer now. I do wonder if he's heard either the re-recording or the original version of the Sweet Home Canna Anna Duck cover. So if you're listening to this, J-Robe, my guy, uh, let me know what you think of it. The new one, at least. The old one was a little stinky, but that's okay. The new one is really great. It's so good. What, the second one, where is that the one with the with the pitch shift voice? Or what do you call it? Night, night, nightmare core? I don't remember. Oh, 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 okay. We, we needed to <laughs> explain this, so. <laughs> so when did I do this in a... Uh... When did I start remixing all the crap I had, Kenny? Was it in November or? It was in 2021. Yeah. So I think it's, let's say December. Yes, let's say December. So in December, I was like, wow, a lot of my stuff sounds stinky. And I'm a lot better mixer now. (laughs) And I can make this sound better. And I was also switching from like a distro kid to sound drop, which was probably not a good idea. But the complications anyways i was like i can use this as a chance to remix some of this stuff so that it sounds a lot nicer because i know what i'm doing sorry i pretend i know what i'm doing i started with uh and you're doing nothing mm-hmm. silly song shoveling uh-huh. silly song cool parts uh and then i did no thoughts head empty and i always wanted to remix this because it was like the first song i've ever did so 
I really didn't know what I was doing when I uh, originally did it. So for No Thoughts Head Empty, I just did a straight, uh, nothing was re-recorded. I just remixed it and made it sound the, a lot better. Uh, I know Kenny was there with me, not not there with me, but I was like, how does this sound? Because he had a, he was like, it has to sound the certain full sound that the original had that I couldn't take away with uh, making it sound nicer, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does make sense. Um, yeah, she was she started to remix it in a way that really highlighted other parts of the mix that kind of flipped it as like an inverse, like too much of an alternate mix, and was like, you're replacing the original No Thoughts Head Empty with this new mix, so it just has to mm-hmm. sound slightly different. Otherwise, you're going to upset the people who you know grew attached to the original. So you can't remix it too much unless you want to put out a whole alternate mix without taking out the original. But I think I think I achieved a. It sounds like the original, but good. Yeah, you did. But but sweet home Canada, Anada. I'm gonna be real. I didn't know how to sing back then. Kenny has taught me a lot about singing. Now that I think I am a tad better, but um, that sweet home Canada Anna cover was pretty rough. The original one that came out in July 2020. Yes. So in the process of remixing, no thoughts had empty. I started a just from the ground up new version of that Sweet Home Canna Anada cover. And you can tell now I have it listed as DX because it's like the direct, <laughs> like Sonic Adventure DX because it's, I, I redid it. I made it better or not because some people think Sonic Adventure DX is the shittier version, but the naming scheme is cute and I like it. So I did it from the ground up and like, since I know what I was doing and I think I did a good job. Also, I had my my friend Josh, my IRL friend, love him. He's the best. He did get the the guitars at the end. I think I played like a center, uh, higher up thing just for texture. But he did those guitars for me, thankfully. Like, and I switched up. I know the bridge is a bit different with the bass parts, but I knew the original idea I was going for when I first recorded it, because I wanted this like sort of Eurobeat type thing. But I didn't really achieve that with the original. Eurobeat. <laughs> Did you say Eurobeat? Yeah. What do you mean? Well, I, I need some clarification on Eurobeat. Okay. So, so after this, listen to that song and listen to the bridge. And so, when you think of like a Eurobeat, like a Eurodance thing, it's like a four on the floor with like the kick and then the drum, the bass is doing this. Uh, it plays the root and then it plays the octave. Um, so, do, 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 and I thought that it, it's like it sounds very similar with how ska accents the off beats, but it's 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 different because of the bass line. So don't confuse any Eurobeat music for ska, although the transfer over both ways sounds really cool. I was going for that sort of vibe because I was inspired by um, a friend of Barely March Chris. And his friend is Majorly Chris. Uh, majorly is his music project but chris is his name i know a lot of chris's and he has this song called the midnight sitcoms and the intro starts with this like Eurobeat, like do 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 it's a cool song so look up majorly the midnight sitcoms i was inspired by that because i thought it sounded cool we'll be right back after this Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. 
Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey, everybody. It's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian. And we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. The songs we're talking about, um, you put out in 2020, and that's like the first stuff you released right yeah tell me i'm curious a little bit about your history getting into music so this is weird because i'm gonna out myself as <laughs> um so if you go and rate your music again you'll see on the tape girl um not that you actually have to do this but i'm like <laughs> explaining it so if you were to go on there you will go to the tape girl page and you see album and it says hard drive overdrive and what this was was a harsh noise project and if you don't know what harsh noise is it's just like it's a type of music where it's like not melodic music but it's like uh just noise and just the way you put it together can be very artful and i made this when i was um procrastinating doing some like high school projects but it's a silly thing i i wish i could get it taken (laughs) off of this website but that's kind of a hard thing to do anyways there was that but i like always played guitar and pretended to sing nice and i was very inspired by like jeff rosenstock and like car seat headrest to like want to make my own music and like stuff like that so what was the original question again? (laughs) (laughs) i I just feel like beth you've been doing like you're just turned 20 sadly how long have you been playing music for what the fuck is with sadly why do you say sadly (laughs) i get that what's the sad part Sad, because I am now 20. What's sad about that? You got to explain that part to me. I'm interviewing. I'm interrupting the whole thing <laughs> just to focus on this. Because I am, it's it's a different, it's a new era of me, you know? Um, In like what way? What way? Is it bad? And just like, just a new Beth era. It's like, I don't know. And I feel like it's a very new era. I mean, it is. Sometimes different stuff is scary. Oh, okay. And that's okay. <laughs> Anyway, moving on. Anyways. Back to the original question, whatever it was. <laughs> so I forgot, but I remember what I was going to say before you uh, interviewed me within this interview. So when I was in like middle school, early middle school, I forgot what age I would be, but whatever, uh, not ninth grade, whatever seventh grade would have been, what age I would have been. Uh, my grandpa, he would always play guitar. Uh, he would play like, uh, I feel I feel terrible because I don't know how to pronounce it, but nor North. Norteño. Yes, he would play that sort of music. And I remember back in the day, he would like perform. 
And like when I was a little kid, I would go to my grandparents' house and he would like perform songs with my grandma. The point of the story is he played guitar. <laughs> so maybe as a, as a little kid watching him, I didn't think anything of it. But eventually I got into playing like, I think at the time I was listening to like, I was still listening to classic rock only. So I was like, yeah, guitars are cool. I want to be like these old probably racist people <laughs> so i uh so I, I remember i remember that night like i was watching youtube or something and this guy was like it was a guitar tutorial for how to play um it's the song with the pinch harmonics and it's like there's something happening here what it is ain't exactly i don't know i can't think of the name kenny i believe that's buffalo springfield was the name of the band yes yeah and i remember like uh, he was like talking about the chord shapes and it's like E, A, and D or something. And I was like, that's easy. I can I can figure this out. And I remember my uh, grandpa was coming because he lives out of town, but he was coming over the next day for to visit or whoever. And I remember like asking him if he could show me how to play guitar. And he was uh, showing me how to play. I'm sorry, I, I can't pronounce it, but he was trying to play me the the music he would play, his his culture, his music. He let me, he gave me one of his guitars and I figured it out, you know. And eventually that was like, like I said, in like little middle school. So from then on, I just figured out how to play guitar. Like I didn't take any lessons. I just looked up on YouTube and the internet, like how to play a generic classic rock song number five or whatever. You know, I think that's where me learning to play music came mm -hmm. from. Uh, singing is kind of a new thing, not new within like, the last year but maybe the last three or four years this is something i've been like learning how to do and it's kind of new different <laughs> i really don't like it you gotta do what you gotta do to make music you know yeah so wait when did middle school start for you sixth grade or seventh grade it was six uh sorry seventh grade so i was in seventh grade so you, so you would have been like 12 13 yes so that, that that's when i like had a guitar in my hands and I was figuring it out. And then at, at what point did you, were you starting to like contribute and record your own stuff? Like even in the most primitive way. I remember I had a little app on my little iPod or whatever, or I think, I don't know if I had a phone or an iPod at the time, whatever. There's this little, uh, I had this, uh, it was this, like, it was like a DAW, but for an I like a phone. And it was called like N-Track or something. And I remember I would like kind of just sit in my room after school and like just record whatever I was thinking of. And I think I still have uh, some of those old recordings like on SoundCloud or I probably took them off and, but I have them saved somewhere. There's like three instrumental guitar pieces in like open tunings that, I don't know how to put it, but they're, they're cool sounding, but there's nothing really going on. So yeah, I would just like record shit on my little shitty phone and eventually I got like a laptop and I like was slowly trying to figure out how to use uh the DAW on the laptop opposed to my phone because I became really accustomed to the one on my phone which I don't even know how to use now and I don't have the same phone or whatever anyways I eventually made the switch to my laptop and uh, I think I took it off SoundCloud because it's like super rough but I did like a few covers one was a cover of Car Seat Headrests, uh, Not What I Needed. And then I did a cover of Snail Mail's The, the not The Thinning, but I interpolated her old song into her new song, like as like a new bridge in the cover. It's a, my vocals are rough, but the instrumentation and 
the idea I was going for was very like primitive, like tape girl. Like I had a sort of idea of like the fancy stuff that I wanted to do that I'm doing now, if that makes sense. What was your intro to ska? Was it through bomb music industry? This is kind of rough because like, I don't think I knew what ska was at the time of me recording those, like all these covers of all these like indie bands or just like learning how to play these indie band songs, these, I don't know what to call them, like, but just like indie DIY music. I was really into that at the time. And Mm -hmm. through that, I got into Jeff Rosenstock. And obviously through there, I listened to Bomb and then Aesop. But also, uh, I do remember watching, catching here and there, the Scott 2 Network covers, like of, especially of like the Steven Universe and like the cartoon, any of the cartoon ones I loved because I was a kid at the time and I watched the cartoons with the songs and I'm like Adventure Time and Steven Universe and all that. And I still do enjoy those musics. Spoiler alert, something might come out of that. But uh, <laughs> I'm out of breath. I usually don't talk this much. We'll give you a break. Beth Rivera, question. Do you have water? No, no. Kenny has a question. Yes, I do. Okay. And another thing. Are you... Are you currently researching yourself? I just hear a lot of clicking on the, the mouse. I like it. It's it's adding like a, a extra element that we don't usually have. Uh sorta. I'm like I'm like like uh just clicking through stuff because it's like a fidget while I talk, you know? Okay. But what was I saying? Uh, I came across their like cartoon music and like I still didn't don't think I knew what ska was exactly at the time, but I liked all of their covers and like I liked what they were doing. But and it's kind of cool because I sort of talk with them now, and it's like, you're like you're like my hero, but like now we just like talk sometimes. It's cool. It's a cool thing, and I like that about the, the ska community now is how we're like we're just pretty chill. We're like, what's up? So you uh, you join the ska tune network Discord, and then one day you meet a. This was a tad after, maybe like <laughs> two years after uh, me discovering the ska tune Discord, but the ska tune covers. But yes, yeah. That leads into the K-Moy Tape Girl origin story of us meeting each other. On the Discord. Yeah, this is early 2020, right? 2019. Late 20, right, Kenny? Oh, late late 2019. Is that correct, Kenny? No, it's not correct. Well, I remember <laughs> I remember we, we, we talked and then like uh, I left the Discord and then I came back and then that, No Thoughts was out after that. And you were like, whoa, this is cool. Kenny, it's her, your version. Okay. <laughs> I'm bad at remembering stuff. It's okay. You don't you don't have to remember things really. Like I don't remember things I don't remember things strictly how they happened, but I will research them if I have a question in my mind about the origins of anything, and I do that a lot. So, yeah, it was in March, March of 2020. That's um that's when she joined the Discord and I was um I was already there and I had joined in like I don't know February of 2020 yeah okay hold on let me let me hype myself up because oh boy go Kenny go Kenny go, okay go, go. thank you okay yeah yeah we freaking met on the freaking discord yeah 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 we were both on the Scottoom discord I feel like I'm such a grump right now I'm not giving any enthusiasm <laughs> to this story to any of it I feel so bad okay yes we met on the discord I remember I remember our first our first direct message, and I don't know what compelled me to say this, was like, uh, it was happening in the Discord. People were talking about the, the Scott Toon Network outro song, 
And, you know, because yes. I don't like interrupting conversations, um, I was just like, hey, Beth, by the way, that's a song called, uh, you know, You're Wandering Now. And the most popular version is by the specials. It's originally by Andy and Joey. And I'm like, I did a whole little, a small, tiny history thing, as I usually do. I love stuff. those. And, um, and she was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. And yeah, then she left for a long time and we didn't talk much. And then like occasionally she would pop up in my DMs again because she knows I'm informational because I've taught stuff about ska guitar on the Discord before when people have little questions. And she's like, hey, um, so I'm trying to learn how to do this kind of strumming pattern, you know, sort of like something like take warning. And I was like, oh, okay, well, here's how you would do it. You have to focus on this part of the thing. You know, the skank in this pattern actually comes during the downstroke and not the upstroke. Oh, this the 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 snare thing on the acoustic guitar that we do now. I do now, but y- you've always done, yes? Well, no. Well, yeah, yeah, actually a little bit. We're we're talking about two different things here. Yeah, I was talking about the punk reggae pattern and, you know, we might sort of be talking about like the halftime ska Eichlers-ish pattern, but, you know, mm-hmm. both those things are prevalent. So, yeah, both of those things are relevant to the conversation. Blah, blah, blah. Fucking whatever. And then, you know, I don't talk to her for a long time. I taught her a little bit about harmony and shit. She gave me a fucking example of something from a fucking cover. I'm speeding through this because I've talked about it before on Cool Chris's podcast. It was a Bruce Lee cover. Shout out to my boy, J-Ro. Uh, Mike Park, you're not my boy, but you're you're super cool. And I think you're, <laughs> I like your music. Shout out to J-Ro, though. Yeah. Go on. Yeah, yeah. Gave her a little freaking harmony <laughs> lesson via that song. And um, again, I talked about all this before, so I'm, that's why I'm bored by my own self and I don't want to bore <laughs> anybody else who's heard this stuff before. So blah, blah, blah. And then she shows me the No Thoughts Head Empty. I'm like, wow, this is the greatest thing that I've ever heard in my life. I've been trying to uh, pay attention to ska. He says it's so monotone. I've been paying attention to ska again since like 2019 and I've heard stuff that's good, but I've never heard anything that actually impressed me and stuck with me like this. This is amazing. Holy shit. I am now impressed by you. You are now the the teacher, you know, uh, in some sort of way. So that's how that uh, symbiotic relationship began. Can we, let's, uh, let's step back a little bit. Yes. Um, sure. Kenny, give us a little history of yourself as a uh, music and in your influences. Okay. Yeah. A long, long time ago, <laughs> I can. Okay, so way, way back in the 1990s, um, some some of my earliest music memories involve watching Fantasia on VHS. My my grandmother would tell me that I used to thrill to Fantasia, like that that thing would start playing and I would just start running around the room <laughs> um, because of Fantasia, and. Yeah, that sounds very accurate to me. It kind of, um, I think it shaped uh, my relationship to music, watching that film. If you watch the first sequence in that, the Toccata and Fugue, it's beautiful. It's my favorite sequence in the whole thing because it gives like a, a an abstract visualization to the music as it's being played. And, you know, I sort of started to have this thing from that where I would associate music with colors. Uh, I remember having a, a similar experience to that when I was listening to... Green Day. My older brother, he had a cassette tape, and that cassette tape was a single. Your cute one? No, my older brother. Or the other? Okay. Not the cute younger brother. This is the older brother. Oh wait, he's younger. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he had a cassette tape for a Basket Case single, and I used to listen to that on repeat all the time, not understanding what the song was about. I I didn't care. I was just like vibing to it and like seeing all these colorful circles playing around in my head as I would listen to the song. 
Uh, what colors? I don't. I can't remember what specific colors because, like, I don't associate those colors with like the tones of guitars anymore. But it was like I'm gonna be honest. I don't listen to Green Day, but when I think of them, I think of green. <laughs> That's nice. I was gonna say the same thing. <laughs> there was some green and pink in there. I remember that. Um, yeah. So that happened, and then a. Uh, Around 1999, I'm sitting in the back of the car, and uh, Will Smith's Getting Jiggy With It is playing on the radio, and I'd heard it a bunch of times before, but you know, this was the first time that I started listening to the song and was paying attention to something other than what was in the center of the music. Like, uh, my dad tells me that when he hears music, he hears one complete sound. He's not hearing all the uh, the individual parts, and I feel like that might be how a lot of people process music. But this was my start of like going like, oh, my God. But listen to that. Before I was just hearing like, you know, Will Smith saying this and those kids saying na 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 na. But then there's like a guitar doing this thing over in that corner of like the soundscape. That's amazing. You know, I never thought about this thing before. And so, you know, I started to think about music in that sort of way. And um, I still had not played any instruments yet, but I was very much into music all the time. I started playing the piano in 2002 when I was 12 years old because I thought I want to play a synthesizer. I want to be able to play um, the Telltale Mountain Range from the Legend of Zelda Game Boy game. Um, which one was that? <laughs> Link's Awakening. I wanted to play that one. And so I was like, I'll start playing a piano because that's how you learn how to play synthesizer. And around that time, I saw the film uh, Spirited Away, which, you know, has the soundtrack by Joe Hisaishi. And I just got way into all those movies, not even realizing that uh, a movie that I'd already seen 35 times before that, My Neighbor Totoro, was by the same director and composer. So I just got big into Miyazaki, got big into uh, Joe Hisaishi. And, you know, I was at a house party like four days ago and I was playing the piano. And within uh, 20 seconds, people were like, oh, this sounds like something out of uh, Studio Ghibli. And I wasn't playing anything from Studio Ghibli. It's just that Joe Hisashi has affected my playing so much that no matter what I do, it kind of sounds like him. So at least as far as the piano is concerned. So all that is happening. And then eventually, okay, let's talk about this thing. I, I Believe me, I have a whole plan with this. It's not going to be bad. So anyway, um, <laughs> there's a point in people's life where when as a child, you will listen to, you know, whatever your parents have you listen to, whatever they're mm-hmm. playing in the car. And oftentimes it'll be the radio and you get a lot of like the music that you enjoy from the radio. And then you come to a certain age where you feel disconnected from the radio. For some people, happens earlier than others. Some people don't feel disconnected from radio pop until their late 20s. I felt disconnected from it around the age of 11 or 10, um, which was in 2001. And so, um, you know, that's like around the time that I started to establish my own identity and like um, freaking uh, Maxter, the Mac, the Macintosh version of Napster came out in 1999. I started listening to all the stuff from the original Dragon Ball Z soundtrack because we were getting like this dub soundtrack in the US and I thought the Japanese soundtrack was way cooler. So I was listening to all this stuff. My sister tells me, why don't you ever listen to any real music? I feel like an outsider and a weirdo. <laughs> And everybody fucking hates me. And so, like, um, I'm completely secretive about my music. This is going to come back. Hold on. So, anyway. Um, it, Remember I, that for later. <laughs> I spend a lot of my time being inside. And so, in the, in the early 2000s, spent a lot of time being inside. Actually, that's followed me through most of my life. And so, I'm there on Newgrounds.com. And that's when I hear ska for 
not the first time, but the first time that it clicked with me that I was like, this is a genre that I should be investigating. First time I actually heard it was in 1999 when I heard Superman by Goldfinger because uh, my older brother's friend was obsessed with that song. I became obsessed with it too. I had no conception of genre though. I had no need to investigate it. But this was when I decided to investigate something when I heard um, Shed Some Skin by Slow Gherkin in a cartoon on Newgrounds.com. And then by the same cartoon creator, um, they would use music from like Real Big Fish and Five Iron Frenzy. And it's like, this shit is amazing. I have to find out what the hell this thing even is. And so I went over to um, their own forum, found out this thing is called Ska, and I was really drawn to Ska. And the first thing that drew me to Ska, circling back all the way back to Fantasia, honestly, is, um, you know, I love this extra layer of melody. I love this fact that, you know, the horns played this big part in this music and it wasn't like, you know, it was very pop oriented. It wasn't anything like, you know, jazz, which I would have associated with horns before this stuff had, you know, something else cool going on where it like had this uh, thing where I thought it was like rock music with horns because I'm 13 and I don't really know what ska is yet. But then I start investigating it and I get deeper into it and like, oh, it's actually all about this rhythm. And then because like I was finding out about the specials, I was finding out about the Scottolites, Desmond Decker, Fishbone, the Toasters, getting like I became very much educated about like the whole history of ska within like uh, two weeks of discovering what the genre even is. And, <laughs> you know, so I got very into it. I bought my first nine uh, ska records off of Amazon. I remember every single one of them. It was three Five Iron Frenzy records. They were Quantity is Job One. Um, the End is Near slash Here, uh, our newest album ever. And then I had Scottolites, Guns of Navarone, that collection. I had Fishbone 101, which is best of, which kind of sucks. But side two is a rarities disc, so you need it if you are a Fishbone fan. I got the Toasters Hard Band for Dead. I got the Toasters Ska Boom. I got Madness, uh, One Step Beyond. I got the special self-titled. And so loved all those. They were great. And uh, yeah. And that's like the history of how I got into ska. And the reason why I was talking about, oh, I'm so secretive with my music is because one time when I met my friend David for the first time at like this film camp thingy we went to one summer where we met, the guy who would eventually call me K-Moy, he saw me grooving out to um, Fight the Youth by Fishbone. I was listening to that on my headphones and he was like, what are you, what you listening to there? What's got you, you know, so robo gangster? I think that's what he really said. And and then I was like, I'm not showing you. And he's like, come on, let me see. And so he, we proceeded to wrestle each other until he wrestled the iPod out of my hands because I so badly did not ever want people to know what I was listening to because I'd been too emotionally scarred by being made fun of by my sister. Okay, so there's that. Wait, was that the same iPod you have now? No, nah, it's not. It would be cool if it was, though. I do have an iPod. I just, yes, that would be the golden iPod. But no, I just, um, I just keep replacing it whenever it breaks every like three years. In Defense of Ska will return in a moment. Hey, everybody. It's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian. And we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA plus and they include camping. Russ. How do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. 
you take lessons, you know, in terms of your music, music playing theory or singing or anything? Oh, right. Yeah. I start, okay. So I started taking piano lessons when I was 12. <laughs> um, and I was actually getting really bored with piano around when I turned 14. But then I was like, oh, Scott has piano in it. So I'm, I'm interested in piano again. Um, I started playing alto saxophone when I was 14. And I started playing the guitar when I was almost 16 because um, my cute little brother, he watched that movie about Johnny Cash, Walk the Line, and he was like, I want to play guitar now. But my cute little brother is flaky, so he gave up on the guitar after a month, and I was like, okay, somebody has to play this. So then I started playing guitar. Nobody ever taught me how to sing. I learned how to do that on my own. So going back to um, 2020, both of you are um, collaborating now this but you're primarily collaborating on tape girl songs right uh yes and and i think that's still the way we function kenny when he works on his music he he kind of knows what he wants and with my stuff i'll i'll kind of if i need to i'll bounce my ideas off of him or i'll just show him what i'm working on he'll be like beth do this it sounds better and i'll do it and it sounds beautiful what was the first song that uh, kenny worked on with you um it's that that silly bandcamp friday single the cash in on the Bandcamp Friday. The I think it was the first one. Uh and you're doing nothing. That silly little 12 bar. Yeah, yeah. That was the first one. We need to talk about that again, Beth. Oh. So let me talk about that because <laughs> I feel like it. Let's hear about it. Okay, Beth said that that was one of the things that she remixed in late 2021. And finally, after all these years with enough perspective, she realized, yes, you know what, Kenny? The organ was out of time. The whole audio file was shifted out of time. And I remember hearing that thing when it came out. I'm like, why does my organ playing sound so bad? Why does it sound so off? I'm awful. I suck at the organ. What is wrong with me? This thing is fucking horrible. I saw Scottoon Network on the TikTok dancing to this fucking song, dancing to me being horribly out of time. I'm like, this shit fucking sucks. This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Everybody's going to think I can't play organ. Everybody's going to be like, we're just going to use Esteban forever. Fuck Kenny. He never gets to do anything. And then so Beth finally corrected that mistake a little over a year later. Yay. <laughs> I, I, I dragged it like like that much and it was perfect. Wait, how much is that much? I, I Well, I think it, it happened. To, it was because of the way I bounced the song for him. And I think I probably cut the. Because when I when I make music in my DAW, I'll like leave like a few couple bars of space before the actual song starts just in case i think of like some silly sample or like a, a crazy intro that i want to put in last minute so i'll usually have some space and i probably just sent him the uh the one i sent him started at a different point than when i took his audio and i brought it back in i probably moved the marker of where it probably would have started so with that song, you had it written and were just talking about it with Kenny. And he said, let me let me throw some organ on it. Uh, th- this was a part of my figuring out how ska works, kind of. It was like a progress. Because at the same time, uh, there's this other song I was working on. It was this song, which I was trying to figure out how to do, like, kind of just the basic ska thing. And I was like, I'll just do it over a 12-bar blues. Uh, there's like a 246 Sorry, two five, uh, two five one at the end instead of a Beato. normal twelve bar. But um, I was just trying to figure out how to make ska music properly with like the guidance of Kenny. 
opposed to in no thoughts when I was just like, this sounds good. I'll go with it. Kenny, it was your idea just to add organ to it then? No, nah, I don't even know. I think she wanted me on it. I, I think it was, I think it was just, <laughs> no, no, no. This, this comes back to it being Bandcamp, the, yeah, being one of the first Bandcamp Fridays. And it's like, the money goes directly to the creator. Wow, that's so cool. So um, I was like, okay, I got to make a quick song so I can get the Das Kapital. <laughs> and that's why it's like a 12 bar and it's like the most basic thing ever. And like, we just did a solo over it. I see. The most, mostly the songs, the solo. I think I made the song in like two weeks. Yeah, it was pretty simple. Eichler's likes it. If Eichler's likes it, it's good enough for me. It's worth something. <laughs> if Ike likes it, it's good enough for me. We need that on a t-shirt. Anyways, yes, it was like, it was just like some silly Bandcamp Friday thing that I wanted to do. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I have something. I have something, Beth. Let's hear it. This is, this might be confidential information, Beth, so you're allowed to tell me. About That's the Girl? Yeah. You can, you can talk about that, yeah. That was actually the first one. Yeah, go ahead. So the first thing that I ever played with beth on the first thing i ever contributed to and i don't even have the audio for that i don't know where it is like well i do somewhere it's somewhere i have it <laughs> so anyway um it's this song that she wrote i won't get into it it's not available yet it doesn't exist no i could get into it i played organ on it now you could talk okay Wait, what is it <laughs> okay so this goes back to the idea that not this idea but this motif this rhythm the cycle that i have where I plan out these albums, these like concept albums. And then I like, Kenny, would you say I just like get fed up and like tired with it and I just start something new? I feel like that's kind of what it is. Yeah, possibly. I can't really diagnose you there. <laughs> so something along the lines of this is a song that's like the like the somber outro, the the yeah, somber outro for the album. Can, can you say what the concept you had in mind was? It's. And I'll finish it. It's, it's, it's not going to be one I want to do a big release for because it's like emo, sad girl stuff. But it's like um, just being sad, wanting to go to sleep. And, and basically, like, uh, this was more like my exploration of like doing a more slower, like reggae type song. And I was like, I was showing Kenny. I was like, how does this organ sound? And I was just doing like a bubble, but it wasn't like half time. It wasn't a double time where it would sound good or it wasn't like just like some chops and he was like go ahead kenny i think you can take it from here because i remember i had a shitty organ take that i did you did um <laughs> <laughs> i can say that now i could say that now because she knows more when she was when this was like almost two years ago i i was a lot nicer about it um but yeah you know i was like okay you're going in the right direction with this whole with this bubbling thing but it's honestly kind of you're hitting the wrong beats, and even if you had it playing at like double time, this song it might not be the right tempo for that sort of thing. So mm -hmm. I'll I'll play something on it, and I played something on it. And and context, uh, I think the the song was already like it was like a demo, but it was like the the meat of the song, and there's a solo section, and then there's an outro. Yeah, I played on the freaking thing, and it was like. Uh, there you go. Listen to this. This sounds sort of cool or whatever. And I don't know. I'm not that I'm not all that psyched about it. That's just the origins of how it started to happen. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think I didn't even think I was playing all that well. And <laughs> the the backing track wasn't all that good yet. Um, it was it was terrible. And so, yeah, you know, things were. But, but that chorus, though, that chorus. 
Oh yeah, it's a good chorus. I mean, it's a good song. Here's the thing. That's a good song. It just, you know, it needed work arrangement wise. And by the mm-hmm. time she finishes it, you're all going to love it. You're all going to be amazed by it. I'm sure like 72 people are going to cry and tell you about it on Twitter. So yeah. All my, my fellow trans followers, y'all are going to love it. Anyways, yes, it's this this um, reggae thing. He played on it. And I was like figuring out how to do like slower Jamaican music. But at the same time of the other side of this ska coin, I was also figuring out how to do like sort of not fast, fast, but like more mid temp, not mid, but ska mid tempo. Yeah. Rock steady. Yes. Rock steady. So that's where those two songs one which y'all will hear eventually and then and you're doing nothing which it's a little silly little song yeah sorry for all the rambles hey guys do most guests ramble this much um every guest is different okay and special in their own way (laughs) (laughs) i just want to be sure that we're not bothering you because like you'll ask us a question and i feel like you have like a certain timeline and plot you want to go along and then we're like Oh, yeah. So you asked this question about 2011. Well, way back in 1992, <laughs> and then we bring it back to like, you know, 2019. And you're like, oh, okay. Oh, shit. How do I do? Oh, fuck. What do we do now? Kenny and I got a lot of lore about us. There's a, there's a lot of everything to anything. There's, there's no simple answer with us. We want the lore. And we're just here to ride the wave of wherever the conversation goes. Yeah. Speaking of wave, I, I want to talk about your... Uh performance of on the mega wave channel yeah i like this one that was a crazy project in of itself because didn't we do it in like a month or like three weeks yeah that was my question because musically it's got layers but then the video it's got all the video that goes with it and it's oh yeah kenny's wearing like playing saxophone like um it's like two sax parts and has like a different outfit for each one i feel so bad that was (laughs) why do you feel bad about it like, like, I don't even like the end product now. Like, I don't even want to, I'm sure there's oh, right, like, yeah. Kenny did an amazing uh, barbershop thing for the the Barely March cover. That's amazing. Everything else, except for like Kenny's performances is, I don't really like to think about, but. Whoops. Anyways, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a cool thing that we did together. And okay, let, let's get into it though. So. um, I forgot how Megawave reached out to me. They were like, hey, we're going to do a live set you can either do it live or pre-record it and i was like pre-record it that's perfect because like (laughs) i'm like kind of always busy but i was like i can make like a like like it's an actual like band performance but it's just a bunch of overdubs like recorded scotoon style but it wasn't recorded scotoon style because i love you jer and and it's it's cool because you you kind of like and and <laughs> your lip sync because in the videos jer they like they like perform and i'm they're actually playing the parts obviously and singing it while they're doing it but it's not the audio that's playing but that's like dub no shit but i was like in that video that's really us playing and oh yeah that's true so and it was like a big pain in the ass thing to do and we were gonna do another one and we got pretty far into it and then some stuff came up anyways uh, that mega wave one we literally i just wrote out a set list i'm like this is what i want to do and then i got to work and then i sent parts over to kenny and i was like okay so this is how, how we have to do it so there's a click in the song so like the rec- the song that he was recording to like did one it was 
the like click but it was four and i was like okay you have to clap to this or just say like one two three four in sync with that so when i'm in the video editor i can line up your you're saying one two three four with the click so that it can match the video audio they can match up it was a pain in the butt to edit because i remember i was like uh, I was using this like really crummy video editing software and like my computer would freeze and like slow down and like the, the, the software would close on crash on me, but we got it done. I would love though, um, trying to edit video on, on a laptop and having it shit the bed. It's, oh, I, I, I found an, another video editor just in case I have to do any video thing again, and it works very nice. Oh, because we did the the, well, well, I guess we did. Uh, I did another mega wave like acoustic performance like in December or something. It's true. And I recorded like it was just acoustic guitar, but Kenny he did the same thing we did the original one, but with delayed green New Jersey and much lower effort. Yeah, much lower effort. But I thought I thought his his was pretty cool. Anyways, like. If we ever do that again, I'm going to do it Scottune style where I'm just like, I'm playing it on the video, but that's not like the audio for the song, but it's that, that, that studio magic, I guess. Yeah. So this was, um, this was last year. This is 2021. Actually, as the time of us recording it, I think like, uh, last year, this day of us recording it, which is February the 17th, be with you. Um, I think it was a few days ago of when that uh, mega wave stream happened. So that's kind of cool to think about. Okay. And then, okay. So you get, we get a little later into 2021 and then uh, Kenny drops this record precure. Oh boy. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Can I backtrack? I just, I just want to say something. I want to say something about, about the whole mega wave thing. Um, Please. I thought the mega wave thing that we did was, was really amazing. I thought it was great. Um, I loved it. I took a lot of inspiration from it. Like, here's the here's the thing about uh, Beth. Uh, like, when I <laughs> going all the way back to No Thoughts Head Empty when that came out, and she like had left the Scottoon Discord. I put the thing. I put a link to the song on the Scottoon Discord, and to be like, hey everybody, you remember uh, that girl that was here before? She made this fucking thing. Listen to this. This is amazing. It's kind of amateurish but in like two years or three years time she's going to be a certified genius so the reason why beth is always going like oh the mega wave thing sucks oh this thing sucks is because she is rapidly progressing and rapidly fulfilling the prophecy so like every three months she becomes like two levels more amazing and is like the past me sucks i hate it now so that's why this perspective happens. The past me sucks. That's a song by the Beth. My name's Beth. Bam. I need to make that connection. But he's completely right because like uh, when Kenny teaches me stuff, he's like, okay, listen to this song. Listen to what this is doing and I'll do it. And I'm like, oh, I understand it. And I'm kind of in other stuff that's not music. I'm like a terrible learner. But with music, I'm like, oh, I can figure it out. And then so a lot of the times, like whether it's him or I'm just listening to random music or I'm like, how did they do that? And I'll figure it out. And like, I'm figuring out like four part harmonies right now. Like that's my, my thing at the moment. Fantastic. Yeah. You Even Kenny, like you were like, let's talk about the pre And he's like, damn it. Yeah. Well, let's talk <laughs> about it because this thing, 
I obviously knew you before that dropped and I saw your collaborations with Beth, mm-hmm. but that record definitely surprised me. I had no, I had no idea you had that in you. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, <laughs> you wouldn't have any reason to know that I had that in me. Nobody would. Have. What's the thing where you, it's like you have all your life to write the first album and yeah. then there's something else, but Kenny, didn't you like have a lot of these songs like already written per se, or like in pieces already? What would you say? This was like a, how many year process would you, would you put on this record? I would put being, being completely, completely literal. This was a, a 10 year process because, um, Part of the baseline that I use for the minor section of the song since 1989 had its inception in the year 2011. So, yeah. Yeah. I know that the, this, this record has um, yeah, little pieces, fragments, beginnings that span that whole period of time and you revisit them and, and change them and, and all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah. And by the way, I don't feel bad about the Precure album at all. I was only saying, oh boy, because I need to talk <laughs> about the Megawave thing first. <laughs> That's all. It was just about Megawave. It wasn't about this. So yeah. No, I love the Precure album too. I listen to it a lot. So Precure album, for people who haven't heard it, it's um, first off, it's a, it's a concept record. Kenny, you recorded most of it. Beth contributed some stuff and you did the mastering as well, right? I did the mastering and, uh, and Kenny was like, I, I, I kind of like he would all, like kind of the way I work with him. He'd send me this and be like, how does this sound? Or we, we always just shoot ideas off of each other. So I kind of helped in that. Not not that I was a majority, but a lot of this. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Me neither. But the thing <laughs> the thing I like about it, uh, aside from the songwriting itself and, and all that, is that it sounds huge but it also sounds compressed cool dig it how much of this was by design because it sounds like just from this interview and the one you did with chris so much of what you do is very very intentional yeah yeah it is okay so i'll tell you this about that um you're talking about how it sounds very huge and also sounds compressed it's partially by design i was aiming for that and i also kind of missed it but um (laughs) <laughs> By the way, please, nobody inter- nobody interrupt me. I'm going to go on a, a bit long train of tough thought, and I don't want to be interrupted during it. Okay, I'll go grab some coffee. You go ahead. Okay, so when it comes to um, that whole thing, right, um, I wanted this album to sound kind of like it was a DIY thing um, with um, the aesthetic of how it was mixed kind of hearkening back to the 1960s. Like, if you listen to albums from the 60s, the stereo mixes, sometimes they suck, but there are, like, cool things about them still. Like, the sucky things are, oh, we had the bass panned all the way to one side, or we had the drum kit panned all the way to one side. But then there's also this other cool shit going on where, like, you know, certain instruments, they'll have, like, their own identity And like the mix, again, it sounds huge, but compressed. And when I think, but compressed, I'm thinking, but not overwhelming. Like it's not overtaking you and it's not fucking hitting you over the head with its bigness or anything like that. Um, And this is, you know, an effect from records that I enjoy a lot are able to achieve that. So yeah, I was sort of thinking about, you know, like uh, Sly and the Family Stone. I was thinking about that song, uh, Sing a little song. 
that's a good one. And, you know, I was thinking about Tommy, the album by The Who. And I was thinking about the soundtrack to um, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is, um, you know, it's a great soundtrack. Like, if you ever mm-hmm. listen to it, I, I don't watch that film a lot. I've seen it, like, a number of times, like, maybe, like, four or five times. But, like, I listen to the soundtrack way more. And it's honestly without any sort of irony or any sort of humor. It is a beautiful soundtrack. It's just beautifully mixed and it's beautifully arranged and all the performances on it are just kind of genius to me. And I love it. Science fiction double feature sounds completely magical to me. And like a lot of the way that the Precure album is arranged is due in part to all those kind of influences, like even especially science fiction double feature. You have the acoustic guitars, pan on either side and then as the you know as it goes from section to section there's dynamic differences between them and like you know like chorus hits and it'll get bigger and you hear these big vocals come in and then there's like a saxophone over here and there's strings over there and you know there's this drum fill going on and that's the kind of stuff that I really like and I was like I want the Precure album to sound like that and that's what I was aiming for I missed kind of and I'll tell you the way that I missed was like when I was mixing this album, I was really trying to be cautious about, um, you know, things not sounding muddy. And I was like, okay, so the bass instrument, you know, the bass guitar and like the kick drum, those need to be the ones that occupy the low end of the spectrum. But what I wasn't really thinking about at the time is that the bass guitar has, um, it's in the center. And so I was taking too much low end, I think, away from the instruments that were on the left and right. So some of it sounds a little too hollow to me, and I'm kind of disappointed by that. And I feel like if I did that better, then I feel like, you know, maybe people who don't give this album a chance because they hear it and they're like, this doesn't sound high production enough. If I got that part right, where it sounded just high and hi-fi enough while still being lo-fi, I would have been... I would have been like, you know, really, really satisfied with it. I don't know. I, I, I really like the way it sounds. Uh, just to interject, didn't you say like you when you were writing it, you wanted to sound like what I would write? Yeah, that's about what I was going to ask. Because um, you mentioned that in Chris's interview, and I was it got me really curious what you meant by that and and how how much of the of a factor this was. Okay, so the laptop ska thing. Um, everything that Beth. <laughs> was making, I found to be really amazing and captivating. Circling back to this, when when I first heard No Thoughts Head Empty, I re- it was the first time that I was impressed with anything that I had been hearing in ska as of late. Like, there were things that I liked. I liked, you know, stuff from Bad Time Records. I liked the stuff on Ska Tune Network. I mean, actually, the thing that I really, really liked the most and probably still the most impressed by even right now is uh, the cover they did of that song by One Direction. That's what makes you beautiful. Cause I feel like that's just such a great cover. Cause it's got the perfect essence that a cover needs. Where like, if you heard that and you didn't know it was a cover, you would think it was the original. Cause it sounds that perfect. So I really love that one. But like, anyway, hearing this thing, I was like, this is just a completely new sound. And she's approaching, um, arranging the soundscape in the same way that I would value, but she's using all these sort of sounds that I had kind of disregarded, you know, these kind of high pitched synthy things, these bleep bloops, the chip tones. I'm like, (laughs) I kind of want that to happen. 
I want yeah. that to happen on my record. I want it to sound cute and fun and tapey, just like yes! that. And so I was like, Beth, go do the thing for me. And But when the time came and I was like, I really had this whole thing mapped out. I was like, here's how this um, album is going to go. There's this process, this process. And then when it gets to this process, add Tape Girl Magic to this track, that track, that track. <laughs> I was just like, add Tape Girl Magic. I want to be collaborative. I want to give somebody space to express themselves. And then when the time came, and I was like, Beth, do the thing. She was like, can't do the thing. And I'm like, fucking fine. I'll do the thing myself. And so I did the thing myself. And I think that I think that it's made the album better for it, not just because like, oh, Tape Girl would have ruined it. No, I don't mean it like that. I mean, like it gave it um, more of its own sonic identity. It's K-Moy Laptop Ska. Yeah. Not Tape Girl Laptop Ska. But, but this is funny because I'm like, I've been having like, while you're talking this, I was thinking about like my influences and stuff. And uh, a band I really like is Oingo Boingo. Mm, yeah. And the lead guy behind it is Danny Elfman. And he's like straight up a film score, a film composer. And so obviously, like, you would think he knows all these arranging stuff. And when you listen to Oingo Boingo, there's like each section has like every instrument doing like crazy, like completely different stuff, just like how Kenny said with like the music he liked. And I guess, especially with No Thoughts, I think I was really trying to do that with each section of the song and just like crazy stuff. And then it's funny because Kenny then took that inspiration for his album and like in the stuff I'm trying to write now and finish, I'm like always going back to the K-Moy album thinking, what would Kenny do mm. if he has this here? And like just that. I like our little feedback loop we have. We'll be right back after this. Hey, everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. One of the issues that I think has existed in ska is that some ska musicians do not see the value of um, exploring recordings as its own art form. And they just see it as, um, you know, you're supposed to capture your live sound. And I think that's, I think it's gotten better with um, a a younger generation Uh approaching recording a little bit different, more like this is supposed to be its own thing. Doesn't necessarily have to reflect the live sound. Um, but the way both of you talk about recording reminds me of like friends that I had back in the day that were not ska musicians that were, you know, really into like home recordings and were just obsessive about recordings. And I, I think it's neat because I don't know if I've ever talked to a ska musician that talks about recording the way you two do. So you have to think about this like this. When I first wrote No Thoughts and like when I was making that song, I didn't... And this goes back to, I always say this, Tape Girl is not a band, band, band. It's like a music project. Like, it's like, I'm like an artist, I guess, if that makes sense. Like, I'm making songs that I want to make, not per se that this is how they'd be played live. And it's going to sound exactly like this because, like, I would need, like, so many people to play all these different individual things if I had it the way I wanted it. But um, I just like the idea and I, like, really picked it up up from it from Kenny after he put out the Precure album and like 
watching and like I'm um, viewing his process of making it just like we're not this isn't a band I'm making music on my laptop this is a DAW I can have as many tracks as I want as many as my computer can handle and I have this new Scott top that means laptop by the way oh which I got like um between recording no thoughts and like okay 2020 <laughs> I got in the winters 2020. I got a new laptop that was like way better. And I think that also helped in me like, oh, I can have all these stuff because my computer can handle it. And yes, Tape Girl is not a band. It is a music project. And I'll probably have other people do stuff maybe, but it's not a band. It's a music project. And you like have like Scott, other Scott bands on and they're a band and they play live or they used to because COVID, but anyways, this isn't band music. This is, yeah, there's a different, um, even 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 Jeff Rosenstock with Bob Music Industry, he comes from being a band, then mm-hmm. it becomes a project like you're describing, but he has the band history, and then he b- makes it become a band. So it's kind of this period of time where it's a project with limited limited tracks. You know, eventually it's like, well, we have to put this, we have to make this so a band can do it. Yeah. Um, Kenny. Yes. You have several tracks um, on on some of these songs. On, on probably most of the songs, particularly vocal tracks. Mm-hmm. Do you have a song? Do you have a song that has what? What's the most tracks that you think you have on a song? Do nothing. What? Okay. She answered it for me, but she's not even. That's not even correct. I I don't. I don't know the answer, to be honest with you. I don't freaking know. Um. I think it's no, th- uh, sorry. I think it's do nothing just because of the, the outro vocal harmony. Yeah, that was what I was going to guess too. Like probably, but when it comes to those vocal harmonies, I, you know, I record the whole thing as a bunch of tracks and then Double. I mix it to how I like it and then I bounce it. So it's just one track. So I'm just mixing it like that yeah. at that point. So to me, oh, the whole harmony thing, that's just like one element. But but <laughs> I guess if you want to like say, oh, how many tracks is it? I fucking forget. I can't do math anymore. I know it's five part harmony and there's three on each side. So I think that's 30. So if we don't think about that, maybe it's Precure, Princess Precure, because I remember like you were working on cutting down a lot of the True. guts from the song, scooping it out so that it's like, because I don't know, wasn't it Get Tough we were talking about? And like, I feel like, or maybe I'm thinking about how they do barbershop quartets, but Mm -hmm. I remember something they said or something related to them that wanted, that inspired you to like, um, do a more cut back mix, like removing a lot of elements at points and stuff, you know? Uh, I I can't remember. I really can't. (laughs) I can't. (laughs) That song was a long process. Like I was learning how to mix when I made this album and that song took the longest mixing it took me like two months to do that one through a whole process of trial and error. And also for the fact that it was the first song that I recorded for the album. So I didn't have as much of a thing in mind of how precisely the arrangement would go. So I had so many different guitar tracks. I really mm-hmm. did. And I had to like, you know, take them all out. Not all of them, but like, you know, there's a number of them that were taken from that thing. So yeah, there you go. There's that. Oh, I wanted to talk about something else, though. I wanted to talk about this because Beth got to talk about it. Yes, let's hear it. 
let's pretend that you just asked me the whole thing about recording and shit again. Let's pretend that you asked me about that. I know this is related, but I want to talk about the whole thing about ska people and records. I want to talk about that. Let's hear about ska people. Yeah. So, yeah, this is kind of a way in which, um, in some ways, ska people are coming up. In some ways, we've dropped off. In some ways, people were never good at it in the first place. I was actually listening to the, uh, the episode that you guys <laughs> released yesterday in my timeline. I don't know when this is dropping, but in my timeline, the Jaron Beach Bunny thing was yesterday, right? Yeah. And so, right. Um, Adam, you were talking about how back in the day, it seemed like a lot of ska bands, the record was an afterthought. And that's probably true for a lot of them. But there are also some great sounding uh, ska records from the 1990s. I think that Slow Gherkin's album, Shed Some Skin, sounds amazing. I still love it to this day. I think that, uh, uh, what is it called? It's not Question the Answers. It's The Question by The Slackers. Oh. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Beautiful. Sounds so amazing. Like That's like the kind of album that I would want to make in my wildest dreams, have it sound kind of as great as that does. And... But then, you know, some some bands, they just didn't really care about the record. But like there are some great sounding ones in the 1990s. Like, actually, here's something everybody always talks about. Oh, when people disrespect Scott, oh, you have to listen to Unyielding Conditioning. It's always the one that people throw out because it's like the most respectable song, I guess. And people make fun of us all the time. So we're like, we'll give it this this song. Very respectable, has great lyrics, great performance. And also, let's acknowledge this great mixing. Those Fishbone albums specifically, um, Give a Monkey a Brain and He'll Swear this, He's the Center of the Universe, and the one before it, which was called The Reality of My Surroundings. Great, great mixing. Oh, sounds so good because people were in actual studios back then, and they had these big professional engineers to do this stuff. And then when Ska drops off and kind of dies at the end of the 1990s, things become a lot more DIY and bands don't really have the same kind of resources, the same kind of capital to make records like this anymore. Even great visionaries like uh, Jeff Rosenstock are stuck making things like Album Minus Band, which having these great arrangements also sounds kind of shitty because it's completely DIY with 2005 technology. So eventually <laughs> we start to catch up to this era where People and bands are thinking a little bit more about how their record sounds, and we all kind of value stuff in different ways. We do. Uh, Tape Girl and I, we happen to value things in like our own specific way. And then you see, like, uh, you know, like we are the union, very conscientious about how their record sounds. We'll specifically read, right? And um, I forget the guy who mixed that. I think his name was John. And John, John Graber. 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 Yeah. yeah. He did the loser stuff too. Yeah. And so like, you know, they, they made their record to sort of um, sound kind of like that. And when I heard that album, really, when I heard we are the unions thing, I was like, Oh my God, they actually did it. They were able to put all these freaking tracks into this one song. I have to make an album. Like I have to make it. Well, no, I was like, thank God they did it. They did the thing that I was trying to do, but they did it way more shiny. They did this thing way more shiny and poppy and I want my shit to sound kind of like messy and, uh, you know, old school ish, but like, damn, that's good. So like, I really respected that. And I think that like, you know, we got our own sort of thing going on and making good records is a very important thing. I really think so when it comes to 
ska, like even when you guys were talking to Anthony Fantano and he was being really skeptical about people talking about, oh, there's a whole new wave. And he was like, well, listen to Jeff Rosenstock, listen to ska dream. Not everybody has the same sort of thing that Jeff Rosenstock has. They don't have the same sort of connections, the same sort of clout and the same all this shit. And one of the things that he mentioned was like the engineering the production of that album. It's really amazing. It's one of the greatest ones that we have going right now. And a lot of us don't have the capacity to make something like that because we're so fucking DIY. And I want us to be able to do shit like that. I want us to be able to make a ska album like King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard or yeah. Car Sweet Headrest. Beth, you can talk now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what you're saying about ska dream, uh, the person who mixed it, uh, first off, shout out to my boy J-Row. Second, uh, Jack Shirley, uh, he mixed that record. And I know he mixed pretty much a lot of the Jeff Rosenstock records after um, mm-hmm. yeah. We Cool and then everything else up from that. And I know he like really does like kind of, I don't think he does a tape effect, but I remember in some interview with the bass player, uh, he was like something like when they record the tape, uh, if you can't hear your mess up then it's fine and you can go with that take but obviously jack shirley is a guy who knows what he's doing so when he gets like all these like tracks that everyone recorded from home i'm sure he pretty much knew how to like slot them together and make it sound really good and i'm sure he had people there like this is what it's got to sound like listen to this so shout out to j row shout out to jack shirley j show j show uh that bruce lee ep uh division the heartland I don't know how they recorded it. I want to know because it sounds like very, if you listen to that compared to um, Rental Eviction, Rental Eviction sounds a lot more cleaner. But if you listen to uh, Division in the Heartland, it's like, it sounds very like uh, tapey. Like that's probably not the right descriptor, but this is how I like describe like these lo-fi crunchy sounds, but it still sounds, it sounds good, but it's like an aesthetic that I like and I wish to achieve with my music. I mean, the, this idea of like whatever Ska's place is in the, in the, in 2022 and, and going forward, so much of it will depend on recordings much more than it did 10, 20, 30 years ago. I agree. That's how people are discovering music now more mm-hmm. than they ever used to. Well, it's so sad now because you, the bands that we think are amazing from, you know, 20, 25 years ago. You listen to a lot of those records and they're not good. Yeah, you're like, you had to have seen them live. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't capture what they actually sounded like. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a weird thing because like, if you think about me and Kenny, I don't think we've ever played like a live show as us in person, like a live. Well, I know, Kenny, you do like gigs, whatever, but not as K-Moy. True. What do you do gigs as? Oh, you know, um, the gigs that I would do as like sometimes I've played in some bands, but I think she's mostly ter- referring to like uh, piano, piano gigs that I do for for money and stuff. Like you know, people have me play at like their little th- house party things or like restaurants and shit. Yeah. Oh, okay. Little like a little jazz. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I just said it like that because like I'm, I'm just thinking about wow. Whenever I play these things, it feels like everything that I'm playing is something that. I've learned like 10 or more years ago and my passion just isn't in it anymore and what's wrong with me and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, 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 you're right. But yeah, I like what you're saying about how it's not about the the band performance, but it's about how the record sounds and like 
the presentation of the record like mm-hmm. oh my god those Scott to Network albums that came out last year and then the oh the Beach Bunny one that came out I love them I love them so much my my favorite one even though it came out in like 2020 or t- not last year the Undertale one oh it is so good and I love like the production of it and like the way it's like arranged and like all the covers like they choose those they choose those exact songs and like it fit perfectly and I don't think I could see that cover album any other way i'm like so inspired by uh jer with their cover albums i kind of want to do something similar but not as big on that degree of like what did they put out four or five albums last year it's a whole bunch mm-hmm. it's like a, a billion. whole bunch <laughs> but but like that inspires me i want to do something like that like kenny brought it up earlier king gizzard uh um they put out in 2017 they put out five records yeah, like, I want to do something like that. Do either of you have an opinion about what the future of ska is or could be? I don't know what that means. It's like people are just making music. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've heard music. I like what's coming out now. Obviously, I don't think, as told before, I wasn't really into ska until recent. Like, even when I was making No Thoughts, I don't think I... uh was like 50 even 50 percent i wouldn't even like consider tape girl like a ska thing until like it started blowing up in the ska circles and i'm like oh that's cool and then kenny started teaching me about it and i'm like oh i know how to do this now and it's like it's pretty second nature mm-hmm. so i was like oh, i like this so i'm gonna do it now any thoughts kenny or are you no thoughts kenny <laughs> well it it's not that there's it's not that there's no thought. Is your head empty? No, my head's not empty. Um. Well, well, you've uh, I don't know. You've you've caught me in a very pessimistic mood. But um, <laughs> the, the best thing that I can say, I guess, for like you know who I am personally, when it comes to Scott, is you know I love. I love going to the ska show. Like the most fun that I've had at a show in probably um, 10 years is, oh. yeah, Cat Bite for sure. Mm-hmm. When I went to the Cat Bite show in whatever fucking month that was. I saw you on my computer. Good for you. Yes, <laughs> I, I was on the computer. <laughs> and Also, clarification, clarify about that part where everyone thought it was you singing. Okay, okay. Beth is talking way too fast for me. I gotta like speed this shit up. Okay, fucking. I was in Philadelphia. I was at the Cat Bite show in Philadelphia, and it was great, and it was gorgeous, and there was room to dance, and it wasn't. You know, we were all, we weren't all fucking shoved together. And some people think that I sung on, uh, "Come on, come on, baby, let's have some fun." No, I did not. That was somebody else. That shit was not me. Um, okay. I don't know where I was going with this anymore, Beth. I don't know where I was going with it. Um, uh, your favorite show in the last ten years. Yeah, so like the ska shows, they feel they feel great. There's like nothing more exciting than that to me, at, and in the context of a live show, especially when you have room to dance. Like uh, I saw Jeff Rosenstock, I saw Ska Dream. I didn't have as much fun at it because like Jeff Rosenstock is such a huge draw, so everybody's just shoved into each other and nobody can dance. Kind of sucked, but you know, great show anyway. Whatever. Um, and you know, um, the best thing that can happen in ska for me is that we just is that we keep making good records because that's the closest thing that I can come to a, a true emotional human uh, experience. 
And yeah, I don't get a lot of that. Didn't get a lot of it pre-pandemic either. This is the saddest shit I've ever fucking said. <laughs> no, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick this up. I'm gonna pick it up. Hop, hop. Um, what you're saying about like records and having like emotional experiences, like that whole "We Are the Union" ordinary life release, just everything about it was like amazing for me because it's like oh, she's just like me, like like it's like that's awesome. And then like when the record dropped and like, oh, I love Big River. That's my favorite song. And like the the song before that, uh, uh. I'm such a fake fan. I forgot the name, but, but she's like inject me with iced coffee and estrogen. And it's like, I like that one. I forget that one too. Forget the fucking name of that shit. Was it wasted? Was it that one? Yes. Thank yeah. you. Um, yes. Just like, I like when I can have like a, like a, like a interpersonal relationship with like an album. Yeah. And I have that with like ordinary life and, uh, well, obviously, ordinary life, but like, there's a lot of like indie records that I like have like a strong personal attachment to. Like, uh, Twin Fantasy by Car Seat Headrest, which, yeah. uh, it's a joke that I'm gonna cover it and make it ska. That might happen. It might not. I did the first track. I might do the others. To be announced. To be determined. Yes, it probably will happen. I just need to get to it. Um, I really like We Cool by Jeff Rosenstock. Uh, I don't know. I'm drawing a blank to these. It's okay. um, as of recently, uh, this record literally came out the, like a few weeks ago. It's by Dynastic. It's called, I forgot what it's called. I'm such a fake fan. And now there's know. a place for you or like, something. I know there's something, something left for you. Oh, yeah. I just love this record. I have this personal attachment to it. And it literally came out like three weeks ago. But it's like when a record you like, and it's like, it's just, you like the music, you know? And I like music that you can have that personal attachment to. And you make that and yeah 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 or like pre uh the precure album even though i was there with kenny watching like viewing him form the freaking album so like i have like that sort of attachment to it but then like once it released and just listening to it as the album itself oh i love it it is so amazing and like precure dreams that that song's so i feel it uh I just feel like records should have like this sort of attachment that you can, or like even like a personal story that uh, like with me, Kenny and Bad Operation, I remember that night we were on the Scottoon stream and we were just like freaking out. Like, this sounds so cool. Or, whoa, they put in the freaking ghost town uh, sample at the beginning of Siren's Call. That's so awesome. And like, yeah, yeah. I talk about, you know, Tave Girl was the first thing to, impress me the second one was bad operation yeah that's another good example of um they took their time and put their efforts into making a good recording uh, and i love it i really love it yeah it it sounds great to me the drums aren't killing my skull when i hear it love that <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to In Defense of Ska. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you normally stream or download episodes. If you haven't already, grab a copy of my book, In Defense of Ska, available at clashbooks.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. It's at In Defense of Ska. And please consider joining our Patreon at 
patreon.com backslash in defense of ska. You will get monthly bonus episodes, extended interviews and commentary per episode, and access to the In Defense of Ska Discord. In Defense of Ska would not be possible without the great team that tirelessly works on it every week. So you should go check out their other projects as well. Co-host Adam Davis has an amazing band called Omnigon. Give them a follow on Instagram and Twitter. It's simply at Omnigon. And our editor, Chris Reeves, has a phenomenal record label and podcast called Ska Punk International. For more information, go to skapunkinternational.com. And if you've ever enjoyed one of the highly specific in defense of ska memes floating around the interwebs, it was likely the work of the bands I like only charge $18. Find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And on that note, we leave you by saying ska now more than ever. Hey, everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. Hey, everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks.